They actually did it. The Montreal Canadiens take Uriah Slavkovsky first overall. And Shane Wright drops all the way to fourth. I mean, our jaws were on the floor. I mean, I think I think some, some of the experts uh, at that point saw it coming, but I still didn't believe it. Still thought it was going to be right. Lots to talk about uh, with that. We'll go over that. The, the crazy trades that happened. Uh, at uh, at the on draft day to Bettman being such a showman. I mean, we all love to hate him, but uh, he did a great job with uh, with that. We got it a minute, and of course, dive a bit deeper on some of the picks after Slavkovsky. Some some great selections, honestly. The, the first four picks from Montreal. We're going to talk in deep uh, about those. I mean, all solid picks, and obviously now we've moved on to UFA season. Habs are pretty quiet on that front, but tons and tons and tons of trade rumors and trade rumors we can kind of know are true because this management team Hughes is so transparent that even when he answers questions about trade rumors he has a little smirk on his face all but confirming that the trade rumors are are true and uh also we'll have a good laugh talking about the overpayment of former Habs players in the UFA market which uh I mean the, the one good contract I think is Lekin and I think we're all happy for him but lots to talk about with all that but let's get right back to the draft now on draft day dustin you were actually in front of the bell center taking questions from city tv making it in the big time telling the world that you are sure it's going to be shane wright embarrassing the podcast only for slavkoski to be picked about five minutes after that so how did you feel when that happened i mean it felt pretty good when i was doing it i mean awesome making my tv debut and then <laughs> and obviously the halves made me look like an idiot because I was so sure that the Habs were going to take Shane, right? But, uh, I mean, it was a great experience. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, certainly. And I think for most Habs fans, um, you know, it, it was definitely a big surprise that they didn't take Shane, right? Obviously, with some of the moves they made afterwards, maybe it started to make a little bit more sense that, uh, that they took Slavkovsky. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, on TV, I mean, it was a great experience. Um, hopefully, I'll, I'll get, the, uh, get the chance to do it again. Uh, you know, I was, I was outside there and, um, you know, when, uh, when people were watching on the big screen, it was, they had a great setup there in Montreal, uh, right outside of the bell center. So it, uh, yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun. You know, what was annoying about that setup? Why wasn't that set up there when they did, did the playoff run? The, Cause there were fans outside the bell center, but there was no TV or anything like, that. I guess they, they didn't actually want fans to gather because of COVID, but anyways, but so we, we've heard about the fan reaction a lot. We could hear it at the bell center, right? It, I think there was a collective gasp. I mean, maybe the loudest gasp in the history of gasps when uh, the thousands of fans in the Bell Center all seemed shocked. I think even people that wanted Slavkovsky were still shocked that they actually did it, right? Because say what you will about who's the right pick. I mean, it took a lot of guts for management to, to take Slavkovsky. Like, everyone can agree that Shane Wright was the easy and safe pick for a new management to make. So I think everyone was surprised when, when that pick happened. But Pretty quickly, the fans inside the Bell Center went from shock, and even the ones that were maybe vocal before the draft and wanting right, we started. The, we saw the fans start to, to cheer for Slavkovsky. Now, from what you told me, the, the reaction outside the Bell Center, you could hear maybe a little bit more of the of the boo birds, right? Yeah, I mean, there was definitely some booing. Uh, you know, I, mean, I guess not that much booing, but like, like you said, I mean, it definitely started off with sort of a a very surprised reaction, a little bit of quiet, a little bit of booing, uh, maybe a little bit of cheering. I, I didn't really hear too too much of that, if I'm being honest. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a big surprise to everyone. Like, you know, we, we did 
obviously we heard the ramblings that, oh, you know what, the Habs are looking yeah. at Slavkovsky. Um, and, you know, to me, I, I always had the impression that it was it was really just a smokescreen yeah. that Kent Hughes was trying to convince everybody that he was going to take Slavkovsky in the hopes that uh, that the Devils were potentially going to move up from spot number two when he could, you know, potentially get an asset or a couple of assets. And for all we know that he was doing that a little bit, right? Maybe he his ideal scenario was getting some assets from New Jersey and then and, and then picking Shane Wright second anyways. Like that that's still a possibility. But I think at the end of the day, maybe he saw them closely, but he obviously thought Slavkowski was first. But you mentioned a smoke screen for for the Devils. I almost thought it was just like a media smoke screen, right? Because we see it every single year. There's always this. Even when it was McDavid, you had some some bozos claiming that he shouldn't go for it first overall, right? But you always have some people, try, and it just feels like they're trying to make the draft more interesting, trying to make sure more people tune in because there's kind of a surprise happens. So I, I was that was the main reason why I was kind of the most pro right because I just thought people were just saying whatever i first having started having real doubt when we got the bob mckenzie uh like when he he gave his picks at his because he always introduced 10 scouts and five out of four said slavkovsky so it made it clear there that okay there are some actual scouts that view slavkovsky is higher but i still thought shane wright was gonna be like i said it's such a safe and easy pick at first i was kind of like disappointed because i i wanted shane wright i had convinced myself shane wright was the right pick but like I had convinced myself of that because I honestly thought that it was the it was all just like the, the media trying to create this narrative that it's closer than it is, but it wasn't. But to me now, the more I think about it, the fact that the Canadians actually took Slavkovsky just tells me that, okay, maybe none of this was a smokescreen. Maybe like, all, well, clearly none of it was a smokescreen. And this is actually a player that a large chunk of scouts, Montreal and other cities included, I mean, we saw, right, he didn't go second or third, he went fourth, just didn't see right as a top pick, didn't see right as, as the number one guy, and saw Slavkovsky as as that number one guy. Like, I don't know how many teams would have made the same first overall pick, but we know for sure at least New Jersey would have made Slavkovsky the first overall pick. I think there's no doubts there. Outside of that, you got to think there's maybe half the teams would have made the same pick. So the more and more I think about it, sure, it's not that center to sure up uh, that, that center position for, uh, for years to come. And, of course, we're going to talk about the, the doc trade too, but I mean, I'm, I'm loving everything I'm seeing at the development from Slavkovsky. He, I, he's looking fantastic. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he, he, he has looked really good in the development camp. Uh, you know, obviously he's, he's huge. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> you know, that we, we got to see that on draft day, you know, up, up, up close six, four, I think 227 pounds at 18 years old. That's crazy. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's like you said, I mean, and, and Bob McKenzie said it himself where, you know, okay, he, he interviewed the 10 people that he did and five of them would have picked Slavkovsky. If, if I'm not mistaken, four of them said, right. And one of them I'm assuming probably said Cooley. And, you know, he said so himself that if he took another 10, it could have easily gone the other way too. Right. And it was, yeah. it, it obviously seemed to be super split. Um, you know, and yeah, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, Slavkovsky looks really good from what we've seen, obviously an extremely small sample size, but, um, you know, definitely I, I was in love with the idea of getting Shane Wright and having, having that one, two punch for the next decade plus of Suzuki and Wright. Um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, Slavkovsky, you know, I think a lot of people like to shit on him for the fact that, okay, in the Olympics, the world championship, he did get most of his points against teams like 
you know, Kazakhstan and Denmark and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, if you actually look at their roster, sure, it's not really NHL players, but some of them are former NHL players. There's guys, guys that have played in the AHL, especially Kazakhstan. Most of the team are like Canadians that are playing in the KHL right now. And I mean, those guys, guys playing in the KHL are better than the competition Shane Wright faced yeah. most of the nights, at least. Yeah. So, you know, and, it, and, and, you know, Shane Wright, uh, like when I, when I was on TV, um, you know, uh, one, the guy that I was, one of the guys that was with me when, when we were doing the interview is uh, Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet. And, you know, he mentioned a good point too, is that like a lot of, a lot of teams were not impressed with Shane Wright's season as a whole. Um, you know, I mean, you, there are people that point to the fact that, you know, he didn't necessarily have the best wingers with him. A lot of the time he was playing with a lot of young players um, and, and the coaches put him in that position to, to, to sort of, to, to, to help him grow. But like, even in the playoffs, he really did not stick out. And a lot of the time, you know, when, when you're drafting first overall, you want to get that slam dunk guy, a guy that, that is head and shoulders above everyone else. And at the end of the day, I mean, Shane Wright wasn't necessarily that player. Um, you know, especially, I mean, he definitely had flashes, flashes at times. I definitely think he's going to have a great career in the NHL, but, um, you know, he might not have that, that ceiling that, that maybe we thought he was going to have a couple of years ago when he was, you know, 15, 16, tearing up the AHL or the, uh, the OHL. And also like, we always talk about wanting uh, our teams in hockey to take the best player available. There is no doubt in my mind, this is what Montreal Canadian management did in their eyes, right? So if, if you value a management team taking best player available, it's, it's for sure what they did. Because if you were just looking at team needs or, or like, or just how you build a championship, blah, 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 like, like, like the centering position shows up a lot and like, it's harder to get a center and all, all, all that kind of, kind of jazz, but it's, if they went for Slavkovsky, it's clear because they like him best. Now, whether or not you agree with that assessment, you have to like the fact that this is a management team that is not scared to go for the best player available in their eyes, not succumb to any sort of pressure and really do what's best for the Montreal Canadiens. So, so I, in, in that sense, I'm vi- I'm so happy with 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 the management team because I'm I'm convinced that they're even though Hughes is is a kind of a rookie GM. He's not scared to make the tough pick, right? Because we've talked about this. If the Shane Wright, if he flops and you pick him first overall, much more leeway, right? People would probably tend to blame Shane Wright more than they would tend to blame the the the, the, the GM, the Montreal Canadiens, for drafting him because they would just tell themselves, well, Shane Wright had the tools. He was supposed to be the first pick, but you know he ended up uh, not panning out. It's, it's not, it's not our fault as a team for drafting him. It's a player that didn't kind of put in the effort. Like you see it sometimes with like Neil Yakupov, for example, no one really blames Edmonton for drafting Yakupov. He was the consensus. And then he kind of fell off. People tend to blame Yakupov more. Now with Slavkowski, if Slavkowski doesn't turn out, it all falls on the Montreal Canadiens management shoulders from, yeah. from top to bottom. These are all, a lot of people that could potentially lose their jobs if, if if he turns into a huge flop which i don't think he will but if he does that is the reality and then maybe hughes never gets another gm job you know so he took a risk here he took a lot of balls i'll give him that much and i love having a management team that's willing to take these risks and that kind of you know just is willing regardless of where they are in montreal the, the microscope is on them they're still going to do the, make the decisions they they believe are the best decisions to make yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I think if 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 you want to go out there and win a Stanley Cup, you're going to have 
to make these these really bold decisions and and very early you know he's uh, Ken Hughes has only been here for you know what like six months or something like that and and yeah. he's already shown that he's not afraid to make a bold move and obviously it started with Slavkovsky and and a couple of the trades that he made over the draft as well but yeah you know I mean that that was one of the things about Bergevin was that he was never willing to 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 make really a bold move. I would say generally, I mean, you know, you can sort of point to okay, he traded Subban for Weber and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I mean, it wasn't that bold of a move. I think that he never was willing to to go out and and really put his sort of neck on the line to to make a bold move. And, and certainly, like you said, I mean, if if Shane Wright didn't pan out, nobody really would have said anything to Ken Hughes. But if this doesn't work out. His job is definitely on the line, like right off the bat, right? So here's an interesting question. Let's say Bergman and Timmons are the two that step up to the stage. Do you think they take Shane Wright? A hundred and ten percent, I would say yeah. they take Shane Wright. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's interesting to see how 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 it flips with uh, the new group. But I mean, and something that's worth considering too. We've seen we've got to talk about personality, and I think that's a big thing that flipped it and. Slavkowski's favor I think the interviews he did much better and there's kind of this idea that maybe Shane Wright came off as arrogant like you do get the impression that Slavkowski wants to be the best while Shane Wright thinks he's the best and that's, I think that's the, the big the big difference there and also the way Shane Wright reacted to not being picked first and he's claiming he didn't mean to stare down the Canadians but we all saw the clip it's clearly what he does and now he's getting the the Seattle Kraken PR in his ears telling him to kind of walk that back he was obviously upset and not re- reacting very, very positively to that. And that, I can't help to, but think, okay, well, if you get drafted by the Montreal Canadiens and you're happy on draft day, okay, but like you're showing me how you react to adversity and I don't care how good you are. You could be the next Wayne Gretzky. There's going to be a moment in Montreal that you're going to face adversity and you're going to, you're going to have the, 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 the media up your ass and, and it's not going to be an easy time. Right. So, and obviously Shane Wright isn't a Wayne Gretzky. So how good would he have been dealing with the media in Montreal, which is something we realistically have to consider when talking about picks because you don't want to pick a guy also that is asking for a trade in three, four years. Cause he can't stand it here. You want to go for a guy who seems to me in Slavkowski like he can handle the pressure. And I think he's very quickly going to become a fan favorite and maybe even a media darling, way more so than Shane Wright ever would have in Montreal. Yeah, certainly. I mean, and and obviously we we only know the tip of the iceberg about their personalities, right? I mean, but but even based on what some of the the scout, I think it was uh, Nick Bobrov, one of the you know the scouts for the for the, for the Habs, said something to the effect of you know they want a guy they want guys that are that are confident without being cocky. Yeah. And you know you could sort of maybe look at that as a rub on Shane Wright, and you know maybe some of the things that he said, and like you said, I mean like just that sort of the staring, he obviously stared the Habs down. Yeah. At when after Seattle Seattle drafted them, and you know and even even like right after he got drafted and right before, like he said a couple of things that were like a little questionable. So, you know, maybe that is showing a little, a little bit of a lack of maturity. And, and again, that's only the tip of the iceberg. Like obviously Kent Hughes and everybody else and all the, all the teams around the NHL have done their due diligence and had tons of conversations with him. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, like, you know, they, they, they felt better about taking Slavkovsky and, you know, I mean, we we just, we just got to have confidence in them at this point. I mean, I don't, I certainly don't think Hugo has done anything 
that that to to show us that that we shouldn't have confidence in them. We just gotta you know no, go with absolutely. what they're building right now. Absolutely. And at, at the end, too, now with Slavkovsky, we're really gonna see this this dedication to player development. What it means, right? Like if if it actually we're gonna see a difference here, because I think the biggest thing lacking in Montreal over the Bergevin uh, tenure, probably more than the bad, bad picks, was bad player development. So let, let, let's see how, how that translates. Now, the one thing that's concerning is, of course, there's going to be comparisons between Slavkovsky and Wright. And I feel like Shane Wright couldn't have landed in a better spot. Like, like Seattle is a perfect landing spot for more so than even Montreal, right? Like, as far as media pressure, mixed in with good fit with the team, mixed in with getting lots of playing minutes, maybe he won't have anyone like incredible playing on his wings at the beginning they they have some okay veteran guys to play with him there it's, it's a really good spot for him to succeed so it, it, it there's definitely a situation here where Wright has a much better rookie season and maybe and also big players we know take a bit longer to to develop so only time will tell only time will tell but i mean who knows maybe Slavkowski surprised us and right away kind of steps in and has a great rookie season too i'm definitely very excited to see uh, see how it goes but uh i mean it's gonna be interesting there's gonna be there's gonna be trackers of shane wright versus slavkonski constantly and uh we're gonna see uh tons of that but uh i mean you, you touched on the, the the trades quickly let's move on to that i mean this must may, maybe was the most exciting draft day ever but when bettman went up to the stage so the rumor is or i don't even think this is a rumor i'm pretty sure uh hughes confirmed this that they had the trade on the table for for kirby doc before they even played, took Slavkovsky, right? They, they knew that was coming, but it was still only announced just before pick four. So just before Shane Wright got picked, like that, that can't be a coincidence. So then he goes, we don't take Slavkovsky and everyone's shocked. And then Wright's dropped to fourth. And then Bettman goes to the stage and he says, I have a trade to announce. Like first he's getting booed and he's, he's such a good showman for this stuff. He really, he really, you can hate him all you want. He did a great job delivering that. And then more booze when the fans hear Romanov is tra- traded because, of course, Romanov is a fan favorite here. And then I'm I'm convinced we somehow managed to get both Shane Wright and Slavkowski, and I'm about to lose my mind. But then the pick, it's pick 13, Romanov pick for 13, and then pick 13 and some other stuff for Kirby Doc. I, in the moment, I had no idea how to react. I was in complete and utter shock. I mean, I know you were in the middle of, I think you were on the bus when this happened, making your way back from the event to come meet up with us. But man, that is just, I, I even still today, I'm still not sure how to feel about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and once again, I mean, you know, Kent Hughes shows that he's not afraid to, to you know, to go balls to the wall, basically. Yeah. Uh, and make and make a a really bold move. I mean, you know, it, I mean, two bold trades here right off the bat. I mean, you know, started off with the first trade first of all. I mean, the Habs uh, trade Alexander Romanov, who, like you mentioned, I mean, we're both I think we're both pretty big fans of Romanov. Um, he's obviously been a fan favorite since he got here uh, the last two I think two seasons ago. Um, you know, moving him and and a pick for the 13th overall pick. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's again. I mean, you're trading away a young, relatively decent. I mean, you know, a, a decent defenseman certainly. Um, but I mean, in my opinion, like honestly, like like I said, I mean, I know a lot of people are fans of Romanov, including ourselves. But he's not that great. Well, I mean, I mean it, it was fantastic value. I don't think we need to necessarily oh, yeah. shit on Romanov. I just think no. I agree that that was great value for, for Romanov. It just, at first, 
when it first gets announced for those two seconds before we know him, it means also Kirby Doc. It doesn't make any sense. Romanov felt like an untouchable. He's a young defenseman on the way up. But the, the quickly you think about it and you remember, we we've talked about how there's a bit of a, a, a glut of talented left defensemen coming up for the Canadians. And just, I mean, just in Caden Goulin, Jordan Harris, who are most likely going to see in the Habs jerseys this year. I mean, Caden Gooley, it's not outside the realm of possibility that he comes in and is almost immediately better than Romanov, right? I don't think we'd be that surprised by that. So when you really think about it and you think about when the Canadians will be competitive, I think most fans understand it won't be next year. By the time that comes, is Romanov really still a big part of the team or is he at that point in his progression where he's about to get a big contract and we don't know if it's worth paying him. We also have to pay uh, guys like, well, Safkowski, guys like uh, like Suzuki has this big contract. Caulfield needs a new contract. But, you know, you have Caden Gooley and Jordan Harris and a bunch of other young guys coming in. Maybe you don't need Romanov anymore. So I think he actually moved him at a perfect time, gets pick 13. But then the question is, would you have rather kept pick 13 and get one of, I think the most likely scenario is either Frank Nazar, who's a center, who went at pick 13, or... Jonathan Lekaramaki, who we know the Canadians were interested in because they met with him at the combine and he was in a range where they were never going to have a chance to draft him. So would you prefer one of those two guys over Kirby Doc or are you sold on Kirby Doc being the, the next number two center for the Canadians? Yeah, so so that's actually one of the Twitter questions that we got, right, um, from – I don't have the, the handle here in front of me. Oh, great. But... Not, I got it. So at CH94Habs. Actually, no, that's the wrong one. At <laughs> John C. So we got two questions. So we'll talk about the at Johnny Cerrone, uh, Cercone uh, one first. Was trading for, uh, well, he says Bach, Mr. McHeon's dog, <laughs> instead of picking 13th, a good move in uh, your opinions. So, yeah. Thanks for the question. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, like first of all, you know, when the Habs obviously made this trade, we didn't know who was going to be available. And, you know, you, you mentioned before that Lekaramaki was obviously a guy that the Canadians seem to be in love with, yeah. um, you know, but I don't think too many people were expecting him to be available at that point. You know, if you took a look, took a look at a lot of the mock drafts, like Lekaramaki was going six, seven, eighth overall. So, you know, I, I don't think too many people would have expected and, and obviously not too many people expected him to be there. So, you know, that, that to me, wasn't really on the table. Frank Nazar but, is but, a guy. But, can you not wait though? Like, do you have to, to to trade the pick immediately, or maybe is this a situation where Chicago is telling you, "We're doing this move right now. If we're waiting to pick 13, I'm not guaranteeing I'm making this move." Yeah, well, I mean, I think maybe at that point, you know, if if you kept it, you know, well, first of all, you're not guaranteeing that you're going to get a dog. <laughs> maybe Chicago decides all of a sudden, oh, you know what? I like I like Lekromacki. We're going to draft him instead. Yeah. And I mean, after drafting Slavkovsky, maybe they don't also maybe they don't draft another winger in the top, you know, in the top 13. Sure. So you know, who knows how that how that ends up playing out? Frank Nazar is is a guy that that could have been that you know, obviously, well, he obviously he could be there, and and a guy that maybe not everybody expected him to be there. Like he could have been, you know, maybe 11th or 12th overall, but. He, one thing about Frank Nazar, obviously has a lot of talent, a lot of potential, but he is he's a little bit more raw than some of the other guys. And, and you know, a doc obviously is a little bit older. He's played 100 plus games in the NHL. So but and one of the things I think with Kent Hughes, definitely he's he, he's all in on this on this rebuild. 
but I think he sort with and and sort of with the moves that he's making, I think he expects or he's hoping the Habs and he's going to be making moves for the Habs to be competitive in two to three years. You know, I think so like, too. Yeah. So I, I think with Frank Nazar, yes, he would have been a great pick, but with him, I think, you know, you're, he, you're not expecting him to be a solid contributor in, at least in my opinion, you know, for at least uh, another four or five years, maybe. So doc, you're getting someone that could, could be, you know, obviously he's going to be in the lineup next season and potentially if all goes well with doc, I mean, he could be a solid contributor hopefully next season, but you know, two, three seasons from now, he's, he should be, you know, he hopefully, Hopefully, is going to be a, a really solid contributor and a really solid second line center behind Suzuki. I mean, Doc can end up being a, a massive steal. I mean, in Chicago, obviously, they're in, they're 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 the most obvious tank. I I remember like maybe since like the, and Buffalo was pretty obvious trying to get McDavid and they failed. But I mean, they're they're obviously tanking in Chicago, and I think they're doing everything they can to convince Kane and Taves to agree to to get traded too. So. It's a bit confusing. Why my first thought when he go for Doc is like, okay, he's got the potential and all that, but he's only a team like Chicago looking to move him away. So part of it is because they're tanking on purpose, but part of it is that he's had injury issues. I mean, he looked good when he first stepped in, got some bad injury issues, and he hasn't really found his game since. I mean, this could be a situation where it's a steal and he found, finds his game in uh, in Montreal and becomes a great uh, – top six center for, for the Montreal Canadiens, but it's not outside the, the realm of possibility that this flops completely and Kirby Doc doesn't really do much in Montreal. No, certainly. I mean, like you said, I mean, when his, his first season in the NHL, he got off to a great start and, and then, you know, ended up getting injured. Um, last season obviously was, was not good. He put up 26 points in 70 games. And obviously that's why Chicago wanted to trade him. But, you know, still a guy with a whole lot of potential. He's a big guy, too, right? Six foot four, 200 pounds. So, you know, the, the kind of center that you'd love to have on your team and, and those kind of guys typically, you know, it takes takes them a little bit more, a little bit longer to develop when you're when you're such a big player. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a huge risk for the Habs, no doubt. But uh, but if he pans out, I mean, he could be an absolute steal. And, and you yeah. know, for the most part, I mean, every most people were congratulating the Habs on this on this deal. So I mean that's that's a good sign. Chicago Chicago fans I think for the most part weren't super happy about it either though. I think a lot of them had also gotten a little tired of Kirby I mean, Doc. The, the, I mean the Kirby season. Doc vibes I'm getting is really 50-50. He he seems very polarizing. Honestly, it kind of, and we've talked about this. It, it reminds me of a bit how Habs fans are ca- talking about Kotkaniemi. And actually someone posted on the, the Habs subreddit a conversation between two Hawks fans talking about how Kirby Doc would be better if he could stay on his skates and stop falling over, which is funny because that's what people kept saying about Katkinyemi. But I mean, more specifically in the sense that the fan base really seems split. Like some people love him, still believe him and him, like he can become a great player. And other player, half the fan base has given up on him and don't think he'll ever be anything. So it might just need a change of scenery. I mean, we've already heard that him and Kate and Gooley are good, are good pals and they, and they right away texted each other, like, let's go, like basically at the same time, like they were both really hyped to be joining the, the team together. I mean, and that's not nothing, right? There's something, if you have a guy, and maybe Kirby Doc has kind of lo- lost a bit of his passion along the way because he's had such a tough first few seasons in the NHL because, I mean, everyone had to go through COVID, but he went, we went, he went through it and how, it, and how while also being injured and, and fighting through these things and all that. And now he's coming to a situation maybe where he gets a bit of a reset and he, he gets to play with one of his best friends and, and just, just kind of just 
really be the player he can be. It, it could be a fantastic move. And I, I'm definitely excited for, for it to see what it can happen. But I also at the same time want to temper my expectations, right? So, I mean, there's another trade rumor coming up that would make Doc's like progression in Montreal much easier because that would slot him right down to the, the third line center. But uh, if we're banking, if we end up banking on him being the, the number two center for the Canadians, we'll, we'll have to see if he actually pans out and becomes good enough for that. I mean, I think I think even even if Dvorak is the guy that's going to be uh, the other center this year, I think Dvorak can can step into that second line center, and Doc ends up being the third, and maybe they, maybe you know, maybe they're a little bit interchangeable, but uh, you know, I don't think necessarily he's the yeah. he's you know he maybe penciled in as is the second or third line center, but, but uh, you know, I think right now it doesn't really matter because it's a, it's a transition year, right? But if we're talking yeah. about we want Doc to be our number two center in a few years when we're competitive is more what I'm talking. Right. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so we'll we'll see what happens. We're definitely excited. A lot of exciting players to watch for the Canadians this year. But I mean, even though I still think this is going to be very much, you know, of a, a, a rebuilding kind of season, where I, I don't see, definitely don't see the Canadians making the playoffs, considering how good the division looks. I, I'm I'm much more excited for the players we have to to, to look at when when camp starts. But uh, let's move on a little bit to the other picks in the draft. So after taking Slavkovsky first, the, the highest ever. Slovak player to be picked in the draft previously was third overall with Gabaric uh, way back when, but went with the second first round pick for the Montreal Canadiens. I'm blanking on what number that it was. I think it was like 26. Yeah, 26. 26. Philip, is it Mishar or Mazar? Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm gonna go with Mazar though. Mazar. Yeah, a lot of the time, like they mis, they well not mispronounce, but they pronounce like the A R is Ash. So it might even be like yeah, Mazar was someone that a lot of about. What was that? Uh, yeah, so so Massar, I, I think it might be Mashash actually, but uh, yeah, well, whatever. Philip Massar is the guy that had. Let's say Massar, yeah, exactly. I mean, it gave us one of the best draft moments, uh, in my opinion, at least, because we I think we all saw the clip if you're a fan at this point of Slavkovsky just being in the locker room doing interviews and seeing on in the corner of his eye the TV that his one of his best friends. There's pictures of them growing up playing hockey together, getting picked also by the Montreal Canadiens. And he's just losing it, loses it. I mean, you love to see it. Honestly, not a guy. I feel like a lot of people were talking about going to the Canadians. It was no one was really saying this is the guy they might take. It ends up being him. I don't know. What, what's what's your take on him outside of him being Slavkovsky's BFF and giving us some great uh, great clips from the development camp? And I don't really know what else to think of him. I mean, you know, he 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 seems sort of you know he's been compared a lot to to Lekkinen actually, which is which is pretty funny. Um, where he's sort of, you know, well, apparently, well, he's listed as a winger, but apparently he's played center uh, quite a bit uh, also last season. Um, sort of a, a two-way guy with probably limited offensive potential, sort of sort of like Lekkonen, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, has is a good 200-foot player. Um, you know, one of the things that I wasn't crazy about the pick for is that you know, the Canadians had so many picks going to this draft. I was, especially the fact they have two first round picks. I, I, my thought process was like, man, let's just go and take a home run swing. You know, take a guy that maybe slipped a little bit like a Brad Lambert who yeah. went a couple of picks later. Um, you know, Massar, who I'd like, I'm sure he could, he could, you know, he might very well be a solid NHLer, but like, he's not the kind of guy, at least not, you know, from, from what I've heard, from what I've seen, that's going to be, a game changer. He could be a very solid middle six guy, 
but you know, I, I would have liked to see them take like a home run swing, like a Brad Lambert or maybe a, a Yager Furcus, one of those guys. But, uh, you know, I, I wonder if maybe the fact that he what that he is close friends with Slavkovsky maybe played into the, this pick a little bit, obviously I'm, that's not the only reason they picked him, no, but course, I'm sure it, it didn't hurt either. Um, you know, they've already signed him. They, well, they've signed both of them. Um, so potentially, you know, he has a couple of options next year. I, I don't think anyone thinks he's going to play with the Habs next year, but uh, potentially he could play with the Laval Rocket next season. So, you know, Slavkovsky and, uh, and uh, Massar could sort of grow up together a little bit, you know, get used to the city together. Uh, he could. He also was drafted this year in the OHL uh, by the Kitchener Rangers, so he could potentially go there. So he has lots of options. Um, but uh, you know, I, I mean, I think he's a guy that definitely has NHL potential. He could be a really solid 200-foot uh, player, probably on the wing, but potentially, you know, he could play center as well. So obviously, a guy that has a lot of diversity to his game. Uh, but personally, I would have went with a more home run type guy, like like I said, like Brad Lambert or, or Yager Ferguson. I, I get your point with Brad Lambert and uh, I mean Yager Furkus, if I'm not mistaken, they could have went for him with the uh, with the first pick in the second round. Yeah, they could have, yeah, but they, they didn't. But I mean, okay, okay, obviously you don't only draft a guy because he's buddies with the guy you drafted first overall. Obviously, th- this was to be clear. Like if you look at all the the rankings and all that, this is right around the range people were predicting Mazar to go. So th- this wasn't a, a reach or anything like that, just to to get like, Savkowski's buddy on the team. I do see some value in having them, you know, when these kids come in, especially the fact that they're both from Slovakia, they, they, they come into a, a city where all the eyes are on you, and, and especially for Safkowski, first overall pick and all that, having someone close to kind of grow with can really, really go a long way and help in a player's development. So if he, if they were kind of debating between a few guys, that would help me put him a little bit over the top. That the, the fact that they're, that they're close, I really do think it could help in their development. And I don't hate the idea of it. And you, we saw him in the camp. And how they 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 seem to be inseparable, and they're having such a great time. And they could be each other's motivation in the off season to really really push themselves to get better. So I think it might end up being a really really smart pick by the Canadians. But we shouldn't expect the moon. If he turns into a Lekkonen, though, hey, I mean. I won't. I won't be mad about that. I won't be mad about no, that's that. That's for sure. That's for sure. We'll take. We'll take. We'll take another a new version of Lekkonen for it, sure. It, exactly. Exactly. And then with the next pick, so first pick of the second round, the more I read about this guy, the more I like him. So we go with Owen Beck, and it sounds like Owen Beck is the most sure bet pick outside of the the top picks. You know, if if you're talking about second round talent and all that almost a guaranteed middle six center for uh, for the Canadians. And to get something like that in the second round, I mean, I, I personally, I love that. If, if, if you can, if because the second round, like percentage-wise, you're m- more often than not drafting someone that's never going to play for your team or going to have very, very small, very short career, nothing too impressive. You do get some home run swings in, in the second round, but often it doesn't turn into anything. If there's a guy on the table that is a guaranteed middle six guy, basically nothing's, 100% guaranteed, of course, but has a very, very good chance of making it in the NHL. I mean, you make that pick. I, I don't hate that at all. I, I like what I'm hearing about Owen Beck. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, no, I, I didn't know a whole lot about him before the draft either, but uh, I mean, everything I've read is 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 positive. You know, I, I don't think I've, I've read anything negative about him whatsoever. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that can play a 200-foot game. He's decent skater, decent size, and like you said, I mean, he's just all around. He's He's got everything you want. So, you know, he and and 
based based on what everybody's saying, he seems to be a really safe pick as well. You know, he's going to maybe in a couple of years slide into that middle six. Uh, you know, could be a really, really solid third uh, third line center. Uh, so definitely seems like a great pick. And uh, no, that definitely looking forward to watching him. I mean, he put up 21 goals last year as an 18 year old on uh, with Mississauga. So uh, no, I, I mean, it definitely looked like a good pick. And you know, some people, he, I mean. I think it was Grant McKegg that said it, that he might even end up being a better version of Shane Wright. So. A better version? I don't know about that. Uh, I, I, yeah, know I don't that, know uh, David St. Louis did tweet out something that he has a comparable game to Shane Wright and then had to to kind of follow up with that and be like, sorry, I should have been more clear. Obviously, he doesn't have the same offensive upside, but just the way that they play has has some similarities, which... Uh, which you like, I don't want people to accidentally have too high expectations of Owen Beck, but I, I mean, I think, I think he'll end up being a, being a, being a solid pit for the, the Canadians for sure. But I mean, we're kind of burying the lead here. The absolute star of development camp. And I think a lot of Habs fans new favorite prospect Lane Hudson. Now you were talking about home run swings, the, ultimate home run swing and if you everyone is excited about this kid if you if you watch even people from other teams and all that like you, you like fans from other teams are they're watching his highlights wishing their teams drafted him he's just really really short and a defenseman but oh man he can skate he can control the puck i just the upside with this kid I, i'm if anything i'm worried that i'm too excited about him already for a late second rounder but I mean, I don't know. I, I'm I absolutely love this pick. I mean, yeah, like like you said, I mean, a development camp. I mean, just ridiculous talent. I mean, I don't think you, anyone can argue that he was probably the best player at at develop at Habs development camp. Uh, they were you know, using him to show other players how to do the drill. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> like you he gotta looks, love. He this looks kid. like he's 12 years old, and that's what he was doing. It's crazy. But you know, it's it's sort of the sort of the same. Now, obviously, you know, he's a defenseman. It, you typically you want bigger defensemen. Uh, but like it, like Cole Caulfield, if basically if these two guys were two inches taller, they would have yeah. been top five picks. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, Lane Hudson. I mean, he's obviously his talent is is ridiculous. The knock on him, he's five foot eight, a hundred and I don't I think one hundred and forty pounds or something yeah, like that. Uh, like like one fifty, I think one fifty. Yeah. But. But apparently one of the things is that he has some sort of a bone condition where he's potentially not finished growing. So yeah, he yeah, could like potentially it, it, it was delayed, right? His his growth was de- like basically the doctors describe it as his bone age being more like 16 years old compared to his actual age being 18 years old. And it's not like he's making this up. His brother grew a couple inches after his 18th birthday. So, I mean, you shouldn't bank on it, but there's a real possibility this kid gains a few inches uh in the next few years and if he does oh boy what a steal yeah i mean definitely if he, if he ends up being even just 510 i mean that it, it could potentially be a, a massive steal um you know it's it's and you know he's he's gotta put on a little bit of muscle too for sure but uh, oh for sure i mean regardless but, if he gets taller or not he gets he needs to be heavier than 150 that's for sure yeah, for sure. But uh, no, at the, right now looking like an absolute steal. And and before the draft, like there was a lot of Habs fans that were they were in love with him, saying that the Habs could could ease, that they wanted the Habs to draft him 26th overall. So I mean, to get him at the end of the second round is it's it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. And and again, I wanted to see those home run home run swings, and this is absolutely a home run swing that oh. hopefully ends up paying off. Exactly. And if it if it doesn't pay off, I don't think anyone's mad. Anyone's just we're just going to be talking about him in five years. Let's say he doesn't pay off and be like, 
sad and like you remember his first development camp how excited we were about him i don't think anyone's gonna be mad at the pick like you said when you have so many picks you want to make those home runs but i kind of like the strategy actually you can argue the first overall pick was a bit of home run swing wasn't necessarily the safe pick and then Massar, i mean a, a bit of a safer pick too than going for the kind of home run like you mentioned maybe he's more likely to make the nhl but won't be a, a high level pick than owen beck another safer pick but you know in the second round almost guaranteed to be there. But then with the next second round pick, you take a huge home run swig, potential steal of the draft. Like, I, I feel like there was a clear strategy from the team, and I, I really, really like how they went about the draft, especially these first yeah. four picks. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, they made, they made a lot of picks. I mean, I think they, they drafted a lot of guys with, uh, you know, with some solid potential, especially, like you said, those top fours. But, you know, even some of the guys they drafted a little bit later on, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's we'll see how that how they pan out, but you know, they, they seem to, you know, even with some of the other picks, they seem to have a real, a, like, like a solid strategy and something that I, that I think we've seen already from Ken Hughes and, and, you know, as well, also obviously with Martin Saint-Louis is that they really like um, a lot of speed on the team. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, a lot of the picks that they made, um, you know, not necessarily big guys, but guys that have a lot of speed, guys that can play a 200 foot game. You know, when you take a look at uh, one of the guys they drafted in the third round, Vincennes Rohrer, uh, same thing with Cedric Gaindon, they drafted in the fourth round. Tourigny, Hudson, I mean, these are all guys that can really skate. Um, not the biggest guys on the ice, but but guys that can skate and that's, you know, and they play a solid 200 foot game. So I think that's one of the things that were def- that they were definitely looking to do. And, and one of the other trends that I noticed um, when, well, I'm sure everybody noticed is one of the things that they've done over the last couple of drafts. Um, you know, they did this last year with uh, Xavier Simoneau and in 2019 with Raphael Harvey Pinard. And this obviously has worked out very good for, for Harvey Pinard is drafting guys that, that are overagers. Right. And, and one of the advantages of doing that is that they can, they don't have to sign them right away. They can wait, they have their rights for two years and they can go play, uh, potentially in the Laval, on Laval Rocket after one more year in junior. And you you can see them basically play at least one year in the AHL before you have to make a decision on drafting them. So, you know, something they did with a couple of guys, there was three overagers that they drafted. They drafted Jared Davidson in the fifth round. And then two seventh round picks, they drafted Pateri Nurmi and Miguel Torigny, who I absolutely love. I've been talking about it. I started talking about him two years ago. I've talked about him on the last three draft previews that we did so i was super happy over the moon with this pick and so three guys again you know they went with these overagers guys that are closer to to turning professional and they'll have at least one season uh to, to go play I, I wouldn't be too surprised to see Jeremy or toingy potentially play with the rocket next year i think davidson might go back to seattle in the in the whl uh, but you know you get to see these guys at least one year before you have to make a decision on them and you know if they if they look pretty good in the ahl then you know, it's, it, it should be a good decision to go go ahead and sign them, and that again is what they did with uh, Rafael Arvipinal, and then you had uh, Xavier Simeno signed with the Rocket this year. The Habs are going to see how he progresses this season, and at the end of the season, after one year in the AHL, they'll be able to see if they want to, you know, sign him to an entry level contract or not. So then, would you say outside of the first four picks, it sounds like you were obviously hyped about Miguel Tuini. Uh, anyone else stand out to you or is, is he really the guy that you're the most excited to see what he because here's the thing and I'm kind of thinking if the seventh round pick at 216 overall pans out that's pretty the good Canadians, and he's someone you called 
you're going to be so annoying about that. The part of me kind of doesn't want it to happen, but I, I think, I think I care more about the habits doing good. You can have your, your moment of pride, but man, you're going to be insufferable about that. I can just see it coming. <laughs> Oh, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think they made a lot of good picks. Cedric Gagnon is, is a guy that seems like, a, you know, he put up some pretty good numbers. He's a guy that that has apparently is a really great skater. So he, he could be a really good pick. He was drafted in the fourth round. Um, Adam, Adam Engstrom is one of the guys they drafted in the third round, a defenseman, left shooting defenseman uh, from Sweden. A uh, lot of a lot of people had a good a lot of good things to say to him that he has a, a ton of potential, um, you know, a bit of bit of maybe. Um, a long-term project, but he has all sort of the the, the physical traits that you look for. Um, and you know they drafted another goalie, um, Emmett uh, Emmett Croteau. I mean he's not he, Croteau, I guess in French, but I mean I, I'm pretty, he, he's American. Uh, but yeah, he he sort of continues on the trend we've seen with the Canadians drafting goalies. They they want big guys that um, oftentimes are are going to the NCAA. You know, we saw that with uh, Jakob Dobesh a few years ago or playing in uh, playing overseas, which was what we saw with Frederick Decau. So, again, you know, with these guys, they have multiple seasons before they have to uh, have to make a decision on on uh, on signing them or not. Um, and, you know, I, I don't again, I don't know a whole lot about Croteau either, but uh, based on his numbers, based on some of the things that I've read, he seems like a pretty decent prospect. But again, one of those one of those long term prospects. And, you know, right now we have Caden Primo, but, you know, there's a couple of guys that are hopefully going to push him in the next year or two as well. I mean, yeah, excited stuff. It's, it sounds like the Habs are really good with, uh, with the, with the draft this year. And I mean, I just, I, I just can't wait. We're at that point of the year now where it's just, you have to wait so long before the, the, the next, uh, almost look forward for summer to end. So the actual camp can, can start because development camp just kind of came and went, but uh, a lot of great picks. And of course we, we understand a lot of those bottom picks don't end up uh, panning out most of the time, but and when you have this many swings, you're bound to hit on a, on a few of them. So anyways, moving on to the uh, UFA season. I mean, like I said in the intro, Habs obviously are super quiet. They have absolutely no cap space, but lots of tons of trade rumors surrounding the, the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, when we talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois, and we had a Twitter question about that also. But, but first, something we've been talking about for so long, it's the Jeff Petrie's trade. It sounds like... There was already a trade on the table, uh, but uh, Kent Hughes wasn't. It wasn't the right trade for the Montreal Canadiens. Still hasn't done it. I mean, I just, I'm just kind of getting sick of it. I just want it to happen. But apparently, we're just waiting on John Klimberg to make his decision. And once that happens, we'll uh, we'll start see the dominoes start to fall. I'm just, I've just, I've been refreshing my Twitter constantly the last two days. I just, I just need it to happen soon. Yeah, I know. Like based on, you know, some of the tweets, uh, you know, from even some of the insiders that we were hearing, like it looked like it sounded like it was going to happen basically on like Tuesday or maybe Wednesday. And we've been waiting, waiting around for two or three days uh, with without any news. But, um, you know, Kent, Kent Hughes definitely made a good point where the, the trade has to make sense for the Habs. Right? Of course. I mean, you know, they're, they're not just going to trade away Jeff Petrie for nothing. On, honestly, the hat, like obviously Jeff Petrie doesn't want to be here anymore. Um, it has, I think it has a lot to do with, with family, um, and stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, we could really use Jeff Petrie, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, he's still a really solid defenseman. Uh, and we saw that in the second half of last season after saying we come on, came on, uh, we could use a veteran defenseman as well. Um, so he's definitely a guy that we don't want to give away and certainly don't want to, don't, don't want to give up any assets to get rid of him. You know, it was like a cap dump or anything like that. So it's definitely a trade that's got to make sense. 
for the Habs. But at the um, same time, the Habs do need to clear cap space. Right now, they have basically no cap space. And Kirby Doc is still an RFA, right? He still, he still needs to be signed. And also probably Montembeau. Uh, of course, we, we know that uh, Kerry Price will go on long-term IR. But, I mean, it, the teams do have – because we've seen the other trades happen. Now, I understand it. We don't want to give Je- Jeff Petrie away for free. And I agree. And I appreciate – Kent Hughes doing what he can to get assets and do the right trade for the Montreal Canadiens. But we're seeing these players with bigger contracts going for either nothing or the team having to pay. I mean, just look at Max Pacioretty, who I would – this might have just been a bad move from the Golden Knights, I think, potentially. But I would think Max Pacioretty has more value than Jeff Petrie. And then somehow the Golden Knights weren't able to get literally anything for him, just – the future considerations, it's, I just don't understand. It, it seems to be an off-season where cap space is incredibly valuable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still think at the end of the day the Habs are going to get something, and, and and I definitely don't think Kent Hughes will and, and definitely not should, shouldn't uh, trade him away for absolutely nothing. Like, there should not be any way that he trades him for future considerations like Pacioretty. In that case, I would, I would just keep him. I mean, I think you could probably move somebody else um, you know, I, I know it's that obviously Bergevin didn't leave them with a very good cap situation. No. Um, but you know, uh, but, but I, do I you mean, want I think Jeff Petrie still on the roster. Like I get the, like, I know he's a veteran presence. We kind of need that. And apparently they want a right D to replace Petrie in the trade. Like hopefully just to have a body there to, to help. And it creates a huge hole to move him. But do you still want that distraction in the locker room? Someone clearly wants to leave is and, and, and just drag it on for over a year at that point by not moving. Like, I know you don't want to give him away for free, but I feel like this is something he needs to get done before next season starts. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's true. Uh, especially with a lot of, uh, you know, younger players on the team, you, you don't want to have that distraction, certainly. But, uh, I mean, it obviously seems to be, and I think he even mentioned it yesterday, that, that it is his top priority. Um, and, and I think at the end of the day, they're going to they're going to find a taker for him. Um, you know, I, I think probably what the big issue is now is is sort of John Klingberg, who hasn't signed yet. Yeah. I think yeah. once he does move or once he does decide on a destination, once he signs with someone at that point, it'll probably, you know, be be more more likely to happen. So I, I really feel like we're probably a couple of days away from from Jeff Petrie being traded. And, and like you said, I mean, I think we're all pretty tired of talking about it, uh, hearing about it, reading about it on Twitter. So hopefully it gets done sooner rather than later. I mean, honestly, it just bums me out because I love Jeff Petrie so much and I hate how it's ending. I just kind of want him to to leave so I can stop thinking about him, you know, if, if I'm being honest. And it, it does sound like it's blocking the other major, major trade that, I mean, we got to talk about that's been in the rumors and feels like it's, actually a real possibility which is Pierre-Luc Dubois I mean it, it's not the first time that there's a French Canadian player like a Quebecois player who is potentially available and of course the Canadian is always in the rumors and that happens all the time like way back in the day with Le Cavalier it happened and, and just just every time no matter the Quebecois player there's a rumor they want that he's going to get traded to Montreal but with this situation Pierre-Luc Dubois agent is literally telling everyone Oh yeah, he wants to play in Montreal. Like they're there. This I can't believe this is finally happening to us. That we have a player that is handcuffing his team, and they have to send him to Montreal. I mean, we've seen it happen to, to places like New York and things like that. But 
I mean, this has me exciting. And I just, I just, at this point, I just, I just want it to happen. I see some people that are hesitant about it. I mean, we did have, like I mentioned, a Twitter question about it. So once again, at the Habs form, if you want to ask your question. So CH94Habs says, what do you guys think of the rumors? Are e-management looking to trade for Dubois, considering he can sign for free in two years if we really want him on the team? I mean, look, I get the hesitation. The guy was in Columbus, didn't want to deal with um, uh, John Tortorella, asked for a trade. We also have the clip of him stopping to play in the middle of the play. Then gets traded to Winnipeg. Very quickly makes it clear he wants to leave Winnipeg. Sounds like he just wants to play in Montreal. So how I feel about it, I'm all for it. He wants to play in Montreal, bring him to Montreal. We don't see that very often. And he's an established player. I'd love to have him in Montreal. No, absolutely. Absolutely. He, he, he would be a fantastic player to have, no doubt. Um, and, and yeah, like you said, I mean, it all, we always seem to hear about the Quebec-born players linked to the Habs. Anytime there's any sort of wind of any player being traded uh, or Quebec-born play, uh, player being traded, we're going to be linked to him. Uh, but, but I don't remember too many times where there was a Quebec-born player that specifically said he wanted to come play for the Habs, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's definitely very exciting. Um, <clears throat> now, you know, it's sure we could potentially get him for free in two years, but, uh, you know, it, it's really going to depend on what the Habs have to give up for him, right? Because, I mean, we know we're in a rebuild. We have a lot of great assets at this point. Um, but, you know, you certainly don't want to give up too much for him either. So, like, you know, what what is that trade realistically going to look like? Uh, I mean, ob- obviously, I mean, I think it starts with Dvorak. Um, and then, you know, you're probably, you know, you're potentially looking at moving Florida's first round pick next year i think uh, even more than for his first is josh anderson to me it starts with Dvorak and josh anderson because winnipeg wants to win now and i think anderson is going to be very interesting to winnipeg because obviously winnipeg has a very hard time attracting people and even signing the players that they do get because they want to move on so i think they'll be very interested say what you will about anderson's contract but a player with term that can actually be a useful top six player on their team I think they'll be all over that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that could definitely make sense too. I mean, and yeah, I, I would definitely be down for that. I'm, I, I feel like you might have to give up another prospect, maybe not necessarily a top, top prospect, but no. it, it, I mean, it's so hard to say too. Right. Because I mean, everybody knows that the, the, the jets are in a tough position at this point. So, you know, you're, they're negotiating from obviously not a great spot. They don't, they also don't have to trade them. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it'd be interesting to see. But I mean, like, if if that's what the deal is going to look like, Dvorak, Anderson, you know, man, yeah, the, the the that that first uh, first rounder from Florida. Even though I mean, Florida does not look they that might be a decent pick next season. But yeah. but I mean, Dubois, like you said, I mean, he's an established player. He's still pretty young. He's he's 24 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Wants to play here, um, and I mean, you know. Long term for you know potentially the next decade again we're gonna have Suzuki Dubois and Doc down the middle. No, that's amazing. That, that that's pretty good. That's that, that's, pretty, that, that's that's, that's good. phenomenal for me. Dvorak Anderson and a prospect or Florida's first. I'm all over that. I mean, obviously not any prospect. Like I saw some people talk about Caden Gooley. Caden Gooley, especially with Romanov gone, is an absolute untouchable. I mean, I, I he is not going anywhere. I'm not interested in even entertaining that. And, and like I said, I really think that Winnipeg are more interested in getting assets that can help them now. They want to be competitive now. 
what, whether or not that's the right move for them, that's what they want. And that's why I think that they, 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 they're in a tough spot and they're handcuffed. They, they have to trade them to Montreal. And the fact that they can get two at the very six solid middle six players in Dvorak and uh, Anderson for Dubois, I think doesn't put them in that bad of a position that it, it kind of solves the, the locker room headache they must have going on right now with Dubois if he wants to leave. I don't think that that's bad, that bad of a trade for Winnipeg. And I think at the main, same time, it makes sense for Montreal. Also, they have tons of cap space. They have like $15 million in cap space. Like This is like a perfect storm of things working out. And I really think that it's just the Petrie trade that's holding things back. And we might actually see this happen. Now, if we go into next year with Suzuki, Dubois, and Doc as the center lines, and then, I mean, on the wing, we talked about it last year. I mean, the depth is there on the wing. It's just there was a lot of injuries last year. A lot of players had off years. Like, you never know. Gallagher can have a bounce back. And we have players like that that, that can, that can do, do pretty good on the wing, obviously, adding Slavkovsky. Defense, still lots to be added there. And who knows what's going on with Carey Price. But we could actually have a team that's – that's. I, I still don't think they're a playoff team, but much more competitive team next year if, if, that, if all this comes to fruition. Yeah, and, and I mean, like you said, I mean, I think it's a trade that probably makes sense for both sides. I mean, you know, we're as Habs fans, I mean, we're always linked to to anytime anyone is even remotely suggested to be on the trade block. It seems like the Habs are are, are being linked to them, and you know, 99% of the time, it's it's you know, it's it's totally made up and and, and no real reason for it. But this absolutely makes sense, uh, and and I would not be surprised if it happened. And I think you know. Uh, it, it, and I think you know somebody mentioned this on Twitter actually that that the Habs are are trying to trade Jeff Petrie first to open up some cap room and then and then potentially look at the Dubois trade and you know so it, it might not happen uh, today or tomorrow but I think it's definitely something that I wouldn't be too surprised to and see Dubois come uh, come to Montreal. The most telling sign that this is more than just a rumor. Well, for one, there is the agent tweeting out that he would like to play Montreal. There is. The um, the fact that we're hearing, but this this I guess falls into rumors, but we're hearing that the Dubois camp, like his friends and family, were at the draft and they thought that when Bettman went up to announce a trade, they thought that was Dubois going to Montreal. Like there was a strong feeling in his camp that he's going to Montreal. Like you don't have that feeling if you don't know there's a good chance that it's happening. But the the most telling sign is Kent Hughes in his uh, press conference. He did a reporter, so he answered this in French. I forget exactly which reporter it was. I think it was someone from TVA. Asked him exactly, is is Dubois someone you're looking at specifically? And immediately, big smirk on his face. And he says, well, I can't talk to, about a specific player until he's on the team. And he, he basically goes, let's just say that if the Canadians can acquire a big center that wants to play in Montreal, we're going to do everything we can to do it. So more or less confirming that, it, that that's what it is. And then the reporter said, well, I, I guess you didn't really answer my question, but I'll take that smile at the beginning of your answer, something along those lines as a bit of confirmation. And, and Kent Hughes went on to laugh at that comment too. So it, it, was, it was a very cheeky moment, but like in no way was it any sort of denial of, of, of the rumor. It really sounds like it's something real and it seems incredible. Like I don't want to overrate Pierre Dubois here, but I mean, if the center line is Suzuki, Dubois, and and uh, Kirby Doc, uh, I could not care less that the Canadians skipped on Shane Wright. In fact, if we knew that going into the draft, we would have been talking probably about how, like, well, we should go get Slavkovsky because we're set down the middle for years. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it it's exciting. I mean, it 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 could very well happen. Um, you know, I mean, we we've been ta- we've been basically sitting around on Twitter waiting the last couple of days for something to happen. One of the reasons that we've waited so long to do a podcast yeah. after after the draft was was I'm waiting. Still refreshing Twitter as you're talking because I'm like, uh, what exactly. if it breaks while we're doing the podcast? You know, like we've I, I think everybody's been expecting something to happen and you know we wanted to wait for something for for this for this big potential trade to happen before doing the podcast and and i think it's it's just a matter of time before sort of you know the floodgates open you know petrie's traded dubois potentially um you know i mean i I think even you know there's been talking about like armia talking about hoffman uh, you know maybe maybe those guys get moved too and i think it just takes sort of the klingberg sort of first domino to fall and then uh, and then you might really see the floodgates open and it makes sense because once you see these these teams that have the cap space that maybe penciled in a, a Johnny Gaudreau or a Nazem Kadri or a, or a John Klimberg, and then they the ones that miss out on those players, well, they have this free cap space they had allocated to a player. They don't know what to do with it. Um, Montreal has got plenty of players that if those players were UFAs, they maybe would be getting similar contracts to what they already have on the Canadians, right? So, it, like, it, there's there's real possibilities that all moves are going to come sooner rather than later. Just I mean, can't wait for it uh, for it to happen. But it's getting to the point now, though, that if nothing happens, which is always a possibility, I mean, except for Petra, I think that's a, I mean a foregone conclusion. But if nothing else big happens, if the Dubois doesn't happen, and all that, I think it's going to be a whole lot of disappointment because it's got it's getting very quickly to the point where I think Has fans are expecting it to happen, which is a dar- dangerous territory for for Habs management. Uh, yeah, no, that's for sure, but. I mean, what, whatever. Uh, honestly, it, I, I don't think Habs – I'm certainly not. I know you aren't. Uh, I don't think Habs fans should really expect the Habs to be uber competitive next season. No, for sure. Um, you know, if, if anything, I'm, I'm hoping the Canadians are not competitive and we can hopefully get a top-five pick again and, you know, in, in an absolutely amazing top uh, top yeah. end of the draft next year. Uh, and then, you know, let, let's be competitive in, uh, in 2024. No, absolutely. And I don't think getting Dubois changes that too much. I think it just makes the games a bit more exciting. And maybe – because the defense is still the defense. And if Montembeau is still the goalie for uh, half the games and we still have the defense we have right now, and we're going to be losing games five to four, and I'm all for that. I mean, that sounds like a really, really fun season. So hopefully that's how it turns out. But, uh, I mean <laughs> – but then moving on from up here, obviously, if, if, it, if it does break, we'll, we'll drop another episode to talk about it. But, I mean, there's only so much you can talk about until it happens. But a lot of former Habs getting some contracts uh, in the offseason and some uh, some making me chuckle a little bit, I got to be honest. So Toronto, uh, first of all, doing the, 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 the weirdest, making the weirdest choices of goalie carousel I've, I've ever seen that. Uh, they didn't get a former Montreal Canadian, but basically their goalies are Samsonov and Matt Murray now. And then to to help uh, Matt Murray to have a bounce back year in Toronto, they went in, uh, went out and signed former Montreal Canadiens Victor Mete and Jordi Ben. Uh, what do you think about that strategy, Dustin? <laughs> yeah, man. That's well, I'm I'm super thrilled about it because I think Toronto just got a lot worse. <laughs> I mean, like last night, them signing Mete and George Ben, I thought was pretty hilarious. Um, I mean, and and you know, when 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 I posted it in our group chat, you know, you said well, I thought Jordy was retired, yeah. <laughs> and, and so did I. Like, I could, I think he was with Vancouver last season. I could be wrong though. He did go through Vancouver at some point for sure. But I mean, Matt Murray, what a terrible move, man. Okay, so first of all. 
they just traded they well they moved back in the draft right they they traded their fir- they traded out of yeah. the first round just to move Mrazek. yeah matt murray has two years left on his deal i would not be at all surprised if this totally bombs and dubis ends up moving his first round pick next year again to get rid of to get rid of matt murray the only reason i don't think that's going to happen is i think if this bombs dubis gets fired Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. So I, yeah. I think this is a he's really banking his job on Matt Murray, who uh, I mean I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean I'm Matt not I'm not gonna say I'm I'm wishing him uh, harm, but uh, I mean like, I know Jack Campbell isn't an incredible goalie, but I mean there was times last year where Jack Campbell looked really really good, uh, and times where it didn't look as good. And inconsistency is probably his issue, but. So I get it. He's not an elite goaltender, sure. I'd still take him over Matt Murray and Elias Samsonov easily. I mean, I'm, I might take Peter Mrazek, quite yeah. frankly, in front of Matt Murray. Uh, yeah, it's uh, really, really weird. I mean, I think, like, they got a pretty good deal on Samsonov, even though I'm not a big Samsonov fan. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, we'll see how he does in the that's new a, environment. That's, that's a risk worth taking, for sure, for sure. I, I, that, I don't think that's oh, horrible, yeah. but, yeah. Yeah, if if anything, I think you know, at some point Samsonov ends up being the number one goalie, and you know maybe he, I mean, you know, the, I I think they'll make the playoffs, but I mean, of I'm course, no, much. they will. They're, they're, they'll make the playoffs. I mean, their their goalies can allow like three point have a three point five GAA and still make the playoffs, but come playoff time, we saw what uh, what happens. Anyways, I mean, enough talk about Toronto. Just some uh, some interesting move, but another former have. And Ben Sherratt, who obviously not uh, a darling of uh, of this podcast, I was genuinely nervous the Canadians were going to re-sign him because there were rumors that they would make him an offer. And look, I don't I don't hate Ben Sherratt. We've talked about this. He was just in the wrong situation here, but I don't think he makes sense for the Canadians now either. I think he's a good depth defenseman. Getting four years, four point seven five million from Detroit, just I just don't know. Stevie Y. So many good moves yeah. since he's started becoming a GM. This is, this is, I just, it's just not a good move, especially four yeah. years. It's way too much. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. Especially four years. Yeah. It, it seems like a weird deal. Like, I'm not, like, first of all, I'm really not surprised that he got that contract. Oh, me neither. I'm surprised yeah. that it's with Detroit, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the one thing. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, it's weird. Obviously, they wanted a, a, t- a tough defenseman that, isn't a really good skater, I guess. And it's not like it went super well for him in Florida either, right? Like, no, no I man, didn't. What no. a trade. What a trade. Like, an absolute steal to what we got for Ben Sherrod. I can't believe it. And the thing, like, Florida, you know, was, was basically what's happening right now. Like, it, like they just lost Sherrod. I mean, I guess that's not a big, a, a huge deal. They lost Yahoo. It looks like they, they could very well lose Mackenzie Weger. Yeah, it looks like it. Um, so, I mean, and you it's know, that, their that cap situation is great right now, right? They can't do a lot of moves right now. I mean, that, that first round pick of theirs is, is looking pretty good for the Habs next year. I mean, yeah. you know, I think it's going to be a lottery pick necessarily, but, uh, you know, I, I think it could be a pretty good pick. Yeah, it, it, they would definitely be my top pick for having uh, kind of falling off a little bit as far as looking at the standings compared to last year. Like you said, probably still making the playoffs, but I mean, the division is tough. I mean, like Ottawa has, I hate complimenting Ottawa, but man, Pierre Dorion has been killing it. It's been 
But the, the summer of Pierre is what they're saying on the on the subreddit. And man, like the moves he's making, the top six is looking good. And a division that was already very, very strong is going to be looking even stronger with Ottawa being competitive next year. Assuming Bergeron does re-sign in Boston, Boston is still Boston. Tampa Bay, obviously, they I think they're they're maybe past the dynasty point now that they've had to re-sign those players to monster contracts. They won't be able to have the depth that they they, they had for their for their cup runs, but does doesn't take away that they're still an amazing team and obviously Toronto, right? Right. So like there, there's, there's a reality where like Florida falls pretty far down in the standings. I mean, we'll see what happens. They could at the same time also still be top of the East who knows, but no, it's not crazy to think it's not crazy to think at all. No, no. I mean, so yeah, it could end up being a pretty good pick. And, and even if it doesn't, that's still looking like a pretty, pretty good trade. Oh, 100%. Hundred percent, and uh, and then I think the one we all celebrated as Habs fans. I, I, I've never. I think it's that the former Habs fans that people are most happy to see succeed. Uh, no hard feelings. Art, Arturi Lekkinen, Reef with Colorado, five years, four point five. Love the deal for him. I think it's a good deal for Colorado too, and also kind of drives home that we had to move on from Lekkinen. Even though I don't think it's necessarily an overpayment by Colorado, uh, Lekkonen's a very, very useful player, even though he doesn't put up monster points. Uh, he scored some big goals for them in the playoffs, obviously scores big goals for us uh, in the playoffs. But the Canadians have so many of those middle six kind of players like Lekkonen on bigger contracts, really couldn't give give that to him either. So just just so happy for him and for Colorado, honestly. We all loved seeing him lift the cup this year. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean... Uh they might take a step back with some of the guys they lost next season, but uh, you know, definitely happy to see Lekin and get a, get a good contract and a, and a very well-deserved contract for sure. And we already touched on it, but how about that patch trade tree now? I, I don't know what, what, what Vegas is thinking. Like I said earlier, I'm, I'm convinced they could have got something for patch Like I don't, I don't understand. Once Johnny Gaudreau signed on, on, a, on a different team, you're telling me that New Jersey that was going for Johnny Gaudreau wouldn't have given you like a, a pick, like a third round pick for Pacioretty? I just, I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't understand what's going on. But man, looking back at that Suzuki trade, oh boy. Uh, thank you, Bergeron, for that. You, get, you gave us some horrible cap space, but at least you gave us that. Yeah. And I mean, like... Uh... The worst thing about that too is like they like okay we got Tatar Suzuki in a, in a second round pick and they yeah. ended, they traded a first second and third for Tatar yeah, yeah. I mean yeah it's it, it yeah like it, like I don't understand what the hurry was like what I'm sure you could have got something at some point I know. they just gave away flurry for nothing too last year just the asset management in Vegas is atrocious and it just drives home the fact that. Like the Jack Eichel trade was so bad for them, and if, if you if you take everything they lost and add it to what they gave up to acquire J- J- Jack Eichel, it was not worth it at all. <laughs> it was, it's just I don't know what they're doing in Vegas, but it makes me happy because I really don't like Vegas. So good. Yeah, I mean exactly. You know they they still got a good team, but uh, it's it's some point it's it's going to implode and they're, and they're going to be a bad team probably for a while. And I, I think they probably already missed their window. They, they were handed a competitive team on a silver platter. They could have very well won a cup and they messed it up. And like you said, I think sooner rather than later, we're going to see them blow up completely and have those, those years that we're used to seeing um, these expansion teams getting. So 
I mean, it can't come soon enough. Uh, I'm not mad at it. I, I, I thought some of the takes about the patches trade was were, were, were a bit silly, like acting like patch ready's like washed and, oh, it was such a good move to, to trade him when we did look. I, I, I've been very vocal about how I hated how patch ready uh, left his last year with Montreal. But Max Patrick, don't get, get don't get things twisted. He's still an excellent hockey player, and uh, Carolina just got even better uh, on uh, on their end there. And who knows, maybe him and Kotkaniemi build some nice chemistry in Carolina. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a pretty good line right there, Kotkaniemi and uh, and Pacioretty. Yeah, Carolina though, man, and do they have a good team? Um, they, honestly, they should have never signed Kukinami. I think that was a bad move for them because they could yeah. use, they could probably use that cap space. And I think they, but, they lost Trocek, Trocek, right? They couldn't afford him yeah, because yeah, I mean, you'd probably rather hold on to Trocek, especially with the type of team they have right now, right? Yeah, no, exactly. It would have would have made more sense, even though he got a pretty crazy contract. I, I think like five point seven million for like seven years with the Rangers. So uh, yeah, he got a he got a pretty. That, would you rather have that contract with Trocek or Kotkaniemi with his contract? Yeah, yeah probably, probably Trocek. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I mean, they're, all, they're all the teams the Habs fans don't like are making stupid moves. Was so great. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think that does it uh, for uh, for uh, this uh, this episode. Just one last Twitter refresh. Nope, Jeff Petrie and Pierre Dubois have not been traded yet. I was I was really really hoping something would break while we were recording but i guess it wasn't uh it wasn't meant to be of course like i said follow us at the habs forum on twitter as soon as that trade drops we're gonna definitely want to talk about it so check there to know when the next podcast episode uh is going to be and we're, we're gonna get back on a more regular schedule once training camp kicks off and all that type of stuff but yeah follow us on twitter to know when the next episode drops and as always thank you for listening talk to you next time